different. Got a story for you. I hope you're sitting comfortably. Our mate, New York Times best-selling author Paul French has recorded, especially for you here on Morning Brew, an adaptation of an article, a, a short story he wrote in Char, the literary journal. So here is part one. Strangers on the Prior, Episode 1. It was the names that intrigued me. Strange, foreign, not what you expect when searching the records of old Macau. Reuben, Lefko, Ruckenstein, Cohn, Rosenblum. Someone looking for traces of those suddenly stateless Jews who found themselves cast out of old Europe and left adrift in that great port city by China's Yangtze, Shanghai. Nansen passports in hand, they queued for visa stamps and paid bribes for letters of transit in their search for routes to freedom. Of course they sought out Macau, a way station to neutral Portugal. From Macau, or so the rumour said, boats departed for Lorenco Marquez and Lisbon. More rumours told of the possibility of obtaining visas for America, Australia, Brazil. They crowded aboard tramp steamers or irregularly scheduled ferries, hugging the China coast down to Canton and Hong Kong, and there joined ferries bound for Macau, jostling for room with the Portuguese and Macanese fleeing the Japanese occupation of the British Crown Colony. The Praia Grande, possibly a key for freedom. Temporary, but maybe possible. In Shanghai, a Portuguese visa that had been a few hundred dollars come short to a corrupt official a year before the Japanese invasion of Hong Kong was now treble that, quadruple. Others got Banana Republic passports that allowed them to transit to Macau and on to neutral Portugal. Dominican, Cuban, Salvadoran. What those refugees Jews faith for those passes is rarely recorded. We can safely assume it amounted to considerable sums in cash, tiles, jewellery, bullion. What then of them in Macau? I search for them in any way I can. Long-forgotten consulate records, directories found in used bookstores, mouldering hotel records, discarded immigration cards, gossip and rumour, those major currencies of wartime that don't yellow and fade or crumble to dust. Gossip and rumour. I see them on the Praia Grande, wandering into the main square, the Lago do Sonado, looking for lodgings, flophouse accommodation, cheap pensions, while they join queues at the few open consulates seeking to take the next step. It's a roundabout route of immense proportions. They are dressed like they just stepped off the Kartnerstrasse in Vienna or the Kurfürstendamm in Berlin. Their attire is all wrong, too constricting, far too hot. They're sweating, though it's a Macau winter. They are wearing the clothes they left Central Europe in. Shanghai is a temperate city, a city of seasons. The winter's freezing cold, the summer's humid hot, punctuated by cool spring breezes and chill autumn rains. But here it is always humid. Their wools, tweeds and thick cottons uncomfortable. The lucky ones are those who've been through a Shanghai summer, for at least they have flannels and linens, summer dresses. From Macau, they hope to find renewed passage to Lisbon, back to Europe's shores. Maybe a 20,000-mile round trip of uncertainty, fear and desperation. Word has passed along the refugee grapevine, from Berlin's Jewish district to the crowded Shikuman lanes of eastern Shanghai, there are rooms to be had at the Aurora Portuguesa on the Rua do Campo, a flop house but welcoming, and with a billiard room that has become an informal clearinghouse for refugee news. 
There are few other alternatives. Even for those with money, the dominating Hotel Bella Vista of the Avenida de Repubblica is off limits, full of Nazi officials and their supporters mingling with their Japanese allies. There are camps hastily erected for Chinese and Portuguese refugees from China and Hong Kong, but conditions are reputedly awful. They will stay at the Aurora Portuguesa till their savings run out. They speak in languages not commonly heard in Macau, German, Polish, Czech, Yiddish. After Shanghai, they also have the common lingua franca of English. They occasionally try Chinese, but theirs, hastily learnt, is Hongqiu-inflected Shanghainese dialect and the Macanese bread and fish sellers of the cheap stalls around the Mercado de Sao Domingos, close by the square, don't understand them. Indeed, local Macanese approach them only occasionally. The beggars know they have nothing to spare. The prettiest girls are offered work in the brothels of the Rua de la Felicidade, but there is nothing for the men. They are not labourers, and even if they were, many are too old. There is no work for them in Macau except to join the queues at the consulates and plead their case for exit visas, try their luck for letters of transit. They are hidebound by their Middle Europa conventions, formal and stiff of dress, correct. They sweat, carrying their suitcase. It is to be decades before someone thinks to add wheels to a suitcase and make life easier for refugees. They are unable to remove their jackets. They cannot loosen their collars. It is simply not in them. It was not done in Vine, Lodz or Koln. They cannot bring themselves to do it here. It would be an admission of sorts that there is no way back, that they are now formally stateless, cast adrift in an unwilling forced exodus. It would be an acceptance that the situation is not temporary, that their old lives are finished. They wipe the sweat from their steel-rimmed glasses with the ends of their knitted ties. They stand in line patiently. In the afternoons, when the visa offices and the consulates close, they gravitate towards the Portuguese-run cafes and bakeries around the periphery of the Largo do Sonado. Here they can communicate somewhat, they recognise menu items, they can participate in the main pastime of the refugee, exchanging gossip. A Swedish-registered cargo ship bound for Lisbon will arrive in a fortnight. There are no berths, but they may take on a few younger men as deckhands. You can have money, why, by telegraphic transfer to the British consulate, and the English will not charge a fee to retrieve it in Patakas. The Japanese are going to lease Macau from Lisbon and turn it into an air force base. There will be work for us all. Dr Lobo is setting up refugee camps, and we will live in tents there till the end of this war. A free French blockade runner is coming, and will take only those who pay their price. They will arrive at night, anchor in the Grand Prior Bay, and stay only one hour. By arrangement... The Guardia de Policia will look the other way. Free French or Netherlands flagged blockade runners out of French Indochinese, Haiphong or Dutch Batavia. Royal Navy ships escaping the Far East and making runs for safe ports in Aden, Malta or Gibraltar. An American troop transport passing. A Chinese tramp that claims it can make Port Moresby. All false hopes. But for these people, Reuben, Lefko, Ruckenstein, Cohn and Rosenblum, there is little else but these rumours on offer. Portuguese from Hong Kong are living in camps in their own colony. Their status now as those who once sent back remittances, boasting of prestigious jobs in British banks and the largest European Hongs, is worthless. Their Portuguese nationality has naught while they cannot find transit to a Portugal many of them have never known, never set foot in. They are permanent residents of Macau now. Portuguese in name, Ribeiro, Rodrigo, Nunes, Alvaro, but born within sight of the China Seas, weekend visitors only to Taipa and Coloane, but living in Kowloon. 
None have ever visited Lisbon, Funchal or Porto, homes of distant ancestors. Many would not be so welcome anyway, mixed-race Eurasians, the product of Lisbon's colonial mingling. Now they are clustered in camps, hungry, their clothing in shreds, their teeth in poor repair, numerous health complaints. The Cilician fathers of Don Bosco help, but there is no money, no supplies. Hong Kong has fallen, Singapore, Malaya, the Philippines too. There are no markets except the Mercado Negro, the black market, where the prices are astronomical. The Portuguese, Eurasian and Chinese refugees fall like flies in the camps. 10,000 die in the winter of 1942 alone. A mass grave is dug for them in northern Taipa. Yet among the refugees, waiting, listening, around the Lago do Sonado, are these outsiders, the Coens, Weinbaums, Montefiores, Schlagmans. What chance for them? I fixate on one girl, her story briefly glimpsed in faded records. She is only 20. Surely that's still a girl. I know only a little about her. I know she's German, a Berliner, once resident of the Kreuzberg district. Ship records show that she came to Shanghai after Kristallnacht on the Conte Verde in 1938, a refugee ship from Trieste to Shanghai via Suez, Bombay, Colombo, Singapore and Hong Kong in 24 days. With her family, she followed a path that was to become increasingly well-worn, from Shanghai's Wusong docks to the Hongku district in a crowded tenement. Chinese and refugees, German and Austrian Jews together with the bombed out of Paoshan and Chape. She studied English, Spanish and secretarial skills. But both her mother and father died in the tuberculosis epidemic of 1940 that swept the poorer districts of the city. They were buried by the Chevra Kadisha in the Jewish cemetery on Baikal Road in Yangsipu. Their records remain, though their headstones are long gone. She was left alone. America beckoned, but this was 1941. With no family left, she took a chance on Macau. of Strangers on the Prior, written and read for us by author Paul French. Same time tomorrow, 12.30.